1 Kings chapter 17. Now Elisha the Tishbite from Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. This was a proclamation of Elijah. He was telling the king and all Israel, there is a God who is alive as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives. I tell you this, there is a God who is alive. I'm telling you today, there is a God who is alive. His name is Jesus. Amen? I pray you serve Him. I pray you know Him. Have you ever gone through a rough patch in your life? Here, Elijah said, there will not be any rain or any dew on the ground until I say so. Have you ever been through a dry patch in your life? I've been through a few. My wife and I were in full-time ministry, and uh, we had two little ones, and we moved to a town called Apopka, Florida. I didn't know it existed. I went to Burger King, one of the first trips there as we were checking out the area and interviewing, and I went into Burger King, and on the wall was a sign that says, the indoor foliage capital of the world. I'm like, who, who rates that, you know? So what's the outdoor foliage capital of the world? I don't know, but Apopka was. Anyway, we're there, and it was cheaper for my wife to stay home to watch two little ones than it was for, us, for her to work full time and put them in daycare. We did the math. It would be We would clear $100 a week if we put them in daycare. I said, it's not worth you to work the whole time, must to be away from the kids, and so she kept them until they drove her nuts and she went back to work. But that's another story. I love you boys, if you're watching. Uh, one of them just had that baby, so. But things were tight. We sold the second car because we only need one. She would drop me off at work if she needed the car, or uh, I would go to work, come home for lunch, and she would take me back and Things were just tight financially. So tight, we got to near Christmas, and we didn't know what to do for the kids because we always wanted to do something. And a buddy of mine had all this lumber, and he and I decided at the rental apartment there was a tree out back that we would build a fort for the kids to play in. So without permission from the landlord, we built a fort. Never gotten super trouble for it, but I had to take it down when I left. And my wife went to the craft store and bought two cutout patterns to make a Batman and Robin outfits for the boys. One was, she made the emblem of Batman. She had an R for Robin and the greens. Those boys remember that Christmas where we spent very little, but Obviously, it took some time than any other Christmas when they got bikes, when they got video games, when they got all. They remember that Christmas more than any other. Why? Because we put time into it. We gave of ourselves of it. But that financial drought, in the midst of it, I would say, Lord, what help? But God had met every need. We never went without 
I went without things I wanted, but never without things I needed. So many times we complain because we don't have something we want when God's provided every need. He will watch over us. My first trip to Honduras, I remember uh, it was after Hurricane Mitch many years ago, and it just, the river washed out. I mean, people lost everything. And we, the few months before a group went down, they were building homes and so when our group came in to minister, we went and checked on these places, and this lady was in one of those huts they built, sweeping the dirt floor, cleaning her floor, but it was a dirt floor. And I thought, and she ran out, hugged the missionary's neck, who had, they had brought the team that built it, and just thanked them over and over for what she had. And that brought a real perspective to me because what I saw was a dirt floor, tough living conditions. This lady had a roof over her head and many of the folks she knew had nothing. So don't complain about where you are. Just say, Lord, what, what do I need to do? So Elijah had this proclamation, God, as sure as the Lord lives... It's not going to rain. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 says, For you are holy to the Lord your God. He's talking about the children of Israel. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be His people, His treasured possession. The Lord did not set His affection on you and choose you because you were numerous more numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loved you and kept the oath He swore to you and your ancestors that He brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. God has His hand on you. God is God. He is Lord. He's King of kings. God has chosen you not because of your talent, not because of what he can get from you, not because he needs you. I know it's a shock to some of us. We think God's going to go out of business if he doesn't have me. No, he loves you. He doesn't want what's, uh, what we have to offer. He wants us because he loves us. So many times that's a, we think, uh, what Moses do? He, Moses said, Lord, who... Are, you know, who are you? And he throw that down, threw the rod down. And, you know, God was showing him he was God no matter who Moses was. God is God no matter who we are. He's loved us with an everlasting love. So I stand here today to declaring that our God lives. He is not absent from us. When we're going through a drought, a dry season, a problem, a difficulty, he has not left us. He's not just taken us out to the wilderness and dropped us off. He is with us. When the disciples were on the boat and the storm was raging, he was asleep in the boat. They got so upset. Lord, how can you sleep through this? The fact that the Lord is asleep should have brought comfort to them. Well, if God's not worried about it, I shouldn't be worried about it. You ever thought of it that way? <laughs> we think, oh, wake up, Lord, you got to see this. He's like, 
I made the water. I made the, you know. When, when you're going through it, I've been there. Lord, where are you? What are you doing? How, how can this be? And God is with us. Even Elijah, a few chapters later, he's so upset. Jezebel's chasing him. He's running for his life. And God puts him in a cave. And the wind, storm, earthquake, all these things come. And he, but the Bible says God was not in those but he was in that still, small voice. God is in the midst of your drought, wherever it is. But I'm telling you, wait for the rain. The rain will come. The rain will come. But we need... We, he spoke this to Ahab. Elijah spoke this to Ahab. It's not going to rain. But Ahab... Israel didn't deserve any rain at the time. They needed to take responsibility for what they were doing. And let's look at that. Take responsibility. Ahab didn't take kindly to Elijah's proclamation. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30, going back a little bit, just a little background on Ahab. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. That's, that's a statement. He did more evil than anybody else before him. Any other king. That was, I'm the middle child of, well, obviously there are three to be a middle one unless you have five. Anyway, we won't do any math here. I know it's not math class, but. Let's, I'm the middle child. That should say a lot to you. <laughs> But in the genealogy of our family, my mom did not write down there, and Greg did more evil than everybody before him. Wouldn't that be horrible? You're reading the genealogy, and you read about your uncle Lester, and uh, whoever, I don't know, if you're, sorry if your name Lester, I apologize. <laughs> he did more evil than any of his other family members. Oh my goodness, wouldn't you hate to read that? This, this is what we're reading about Ahab. He did more evil than anybody before him. So what, what was he doing? He was allowing the, the worship of other gods into Israel. Not just allowing it, directing it. Mary Jezebel, she had all these gods. They worshiped Baal, had all these prophets. Basically pushed the prophets of God out, let things just go the wrong direction. In fact, Ahab saw Elijah, 1 Kings 18, 17, when he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Ahab, is that you? You, you know, like Elijah brought trouble. <laughs> Isn't that the way we are sometimes with, with the messenger of God? God sends somebody to tell us or we read the word, that doesn't apply to me. Anyway, verse 18, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the Baals. We need to take responsibility for our own spiritual drought. If we're in a spiritual drought, God did not go anywhere. God has not just left you. It's we have stepped away, all right? Uh, recently, I failed a test. 
The excuses that I had were quite real and numerous. I can come up with some good excuses. I make it sound like it, it wasn't my fault. Have you ever watched uh, sports when somebody does something wrong and they get flagged for it or get in trouble? And it wasn't me. However, because I failed the test, I still have to make it up. I, it doesn't matter how many excuses I have. I have to make it. I have to redo that test. I have to take care of it over again. So don't waste your time making excuses for why you are where you are. And this is getting serious. And I was, it was real funny there for a while, Pastor Greg. Let's own up. Take responsibility and say, Lord, what do I need? What do I need to do to change? Help me make it right with you. So stop the blame game. Blaming others won't fix the problem. All right, let's move on. Next point. We need to restore obedience. Restore obedience. 1 Kings 18, 18. I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your fathers have. You have abandoned the Lord's command and followed the Baals. Have we abandoned God's commands? Ahab led the nation with idol worship to Baal. He had constructed an Asherah pole. These are just against God, let's just say. It would be like me going down the road and buying a statue of Buddha and putting it out in the foyer. Raise your hand if that would offend you. Okay, I want everybody hand raised. Okay, I hope it does. Because we're not here to worship Buddha. That is what Ahab was doing to Israel. I'm trying to put it in terms that we could maybe realize or understand. He, was ba- he pushed God out and said, here, worship this God. In fact, they were employing these prophets of Baal. Who did uh, Elijah meet on Mount Carmel? But these prophets of Baal, these people that were leading the country down a path they did not, go to go, they did not need to go, and God sent Elijah to bring them back, to wake them back up. We need to restore obedience to the Lord. Deuteronomy 28, verse 2 and verse 12 and 13 says, All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you today, and be careful to observe them. God had told them, listen, if you follow me, I will bring rain to your land. They had drifted away. They needed a wake-up call. That wake-up call was three years of drought by the man of God who said, it's not going to rain unless I tell you so. But even when we step out in faith, we make that proclamation, it seems like mm, it's tough. Elijah himself was obedient in 
1 Kings 17, verse 2, he gives that word. The very next verse says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here, turn eastward, and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. God will provide. When you're obedient to the Lord, you might be in the middle of a drought. God can still provide. I told you about my wife and I and not having everything we wanted. God provided. People ask us out to dinner. They didn't realize that was the only time we'd eat out. (laughs) We'd show up to the house, a little apartment we lived in, and there'd be bags of groceries at the door. You just don't know. Some of you might experience that. God will provide. If you're doing what God asked you to do, if you're walking in His steps, no matter what's going on around you, God will take care of you. God will supply every need according to His riches and glory. God even took something unclean to feed the prophet. If you read in Deuteronomy These birds called ravens were not clean animals. They were not allowed to eat them. Yet, he ate meat and bread that they brought. Now, somebody had to bake that bread. And I'm assuming somebody probably cooked the meat. And those ravens went, stole it, (laughs) and took it to the prophet. You know, I'm picturing in my mind that... uh, Did they take some raw meat and Elijah have to cook it up? I don't think so. I think that uh, medium rare steak was just right there for him or, I don't know, chicken on the grill. (laughs) I don't know what meat he, I don't, are they, anyway, won't go there. God provided for him even from sources that he didn't even consider. So many times, and if, if you've been in those places and you're struggling financially or going through a difficult time, many times we try to figure out, how's, how, God, are you going to bless me? How, God, are you going to, I've walked with you, you're going to supply every need. So after we got those groceries at the door, every day home, I'm like looking, you know, when I pull up in the driveway, there are more. Or we run to the mailbox and we, you know, uh, Uncle Louie sent a check is it, is it going to happen again? And God will supply every need. And He does it in ways we, you can't figure God out. You cannot figure God out. We just have to trust Him. Amen. So we're obedient. Number, the next, I, I don't know what number I'm on, I didn't number on. Be decisive. Elijah went before the people. This is in chapter 18. And he said, How long are you going to falter between or waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God, follow Him. There is no in-between. There's no fence-sitting. We either are for the Lord or not for the Lord. We, we hate, I hate to use that. We're against the Lord. But we're either all in or we're not. 
Lord, you're either God all the way or you're not God. He is God all the way. So many people want the blessings of the Lord and all the pleasures of this world as well. So we come to an altar, we give our heart to Jesus. We're saved, we're not going to hell anymore. Thank the Lord, now I want to go live the way I want. I've got that fire insurance in my pocket, but I'm going to just, I don't need to listen to the Lord. That's what the Israelites had done. They thought, we're the, we're the people of God. It even, over and over, we're told this, we're the people of God, so we can do whatever we want. We're always the people of God. <laughs> you're going through a drought because you're not obedient. Be decisive. Say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. But the silence of the people on Mount Carmel proved that they weren't all in with God. I don't want to get into Mount Carmel. That's another sermon. But I do want to say this. Elijah felt like he was all alone. We know he wasn't. But he said, Lord, I'm the only one here. Because when he made that proclamation, when he was going through all this, he felt nobody was standing with him. Have you ever stood up for something right? And everybody just sort of backs away from you. (laughs) Go go for it. (laughs) There you go. God is with us. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If it's just me and God, that's, that's okay. I would rather it not be. But Elijah's like, okay, God, it's me and you. Now, we know there are prophets and there are people that hadn't bowed a knee and all this that tells us in Scripture. But in Elijah's mind, he was like, nobody is standing with me. He's on Mount Carmel. They're about to... Uh, they're calling out the bail, and he's it's like, nobody. Where is everybody? But we need to return to the altar. Preached about it last week. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. I want you to look at the last part. The altar had been torn down. In other words, they weren't serving God anymore. Is it not crazy to you? It's crazy to me. Here's a people of God that had been led out of bondage in Egypt, followed a pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. God has delivered them. They had all these victories They're in the promised land. They're enjoying the life. And they walk away from the one that took them there. The altar was in disrepair. It was neglected. That word neglect means ignored, disregarded, or overlooked. So many times we overlook all that God has done for us. We neglect time with God. We neglect our relationship with Him. But He rebuilt the altar. Make the sacrifice. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. 
With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Following Jesus isn't some mental decision we make and everything is good. Following Jesus is a lifelong commitment, a relationship, something to pursue. He rebuilt the altar. There's one part in that verse. He cut the bull (laughs) into pieces. He didn't make... He didn't make any more excuses. The animal had to be sacrificed. What do we need to lay on the altar today? But then, we know fire came down. They killed the prophets of Baal. They were, all this stuff was happening. And he goes up to pray and ask his servant, hey, it needs to rain. We're back We've restored everything. We've, we've walked in obedience. We've rebuilt the altar. We made the sacrifice. There's an abundance of rain. But he said, go and see what's happening. And he sends a servant and says, I don't see anything. Go back again. Go. I'd hate to be the servant. Seven times he went back to check on something. And finally, the last time he comes back, says, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. And what does Elijah say? Buckle up, buddy. It's coming. The rain was, it poured. It poured. The drought was broken. God wants to break the drought in your life today. God wants to bring rain to your dry situation. He wants to pour out the latter rain in your life and in mine. Why are we so content with not having everything God has for us. And by everything, I I don't know where your mind goes, but so many people, the mind goes to financial things or things we want. But man, I want to walk with Him so I know every step is ordered by Him. So I'm in the place He needs me to be. So I'm obedient when He asks me to do something. So I'm where... I, the place that he needs me at that moment, at that time. Have you ever been in, at a, in a place where you're like, Lord, where are you? Talked about this in Sunday school this morning. God led the children of Israel by cloud and by fire into right to the Red Sea where they were surrounded by mountains, no way out, and behind them was Pharaoh's army. And I would have been just like any of the Israelites. Lord, what are you doing? We're in a place there's no way out. But the Bible says God led them there because he wanted to show himself mighty. Not just to them, but he wanted to take care of Pharaoh and his bunch. Because God wanted to cut them off once and for all. But it couldn't happen Unless they were led to that place. Sometimes we're in a place, God, what are you doing? Where where are we going? Why am I here? He has us where, if we're walking with him, he has us right where he wants us for his 
glory, for his greatness, to deliver us from whatever. And the Israelites in that place with Pharaoh behind them, God's like, I got them right where I want them. Because Pharaoh thought, I've got them trapped. They're ours. They're done. They're toast. Sure enough, God opens up the Red Sea. They walk across. Pharaoh pursues. His army dies in that sea. There's no way the children of Israel would have ever defeated that army. And the second thing is, if they hadn't died in that water, they would have worried about that army the whole time. Even if the waters had closed up, they couldn't get across. They're like, well, they're coming after us again. No, they watched them die. You and I, when we get to the other side, when we get to the place where God has brought a great deliverance, we don't have to worry. God's hand is with us. God is with us all the way. And God wants to see you through. So let's restore that altar in our life. Let's make the sacrifice. God says, I want you to lay it on the altar. And let's enjoy the rain. I can imagine the folks after three years of drought, I mean, it's party time. You see, what does a little kid do when they see a puddle of water? They've got to jump in it. It doesn't matter how clean their clothes are. <laughs> that, what a celebration. When God brings the rain, it brings a refreshing, a renewal. After our storm with Ian, we didn't have rain for a while because we really didn't need any more rain with the rivers flooding, with all these things. But God knows when to bring the rain. And I didn't have... my. Last point didn't say, uh, here's the rain, you know, the rain's coming. Enjoy it. So many times when things happen, we don't enjoy it. Sometimes when all those storms and everything's flooding, we're, we're not enjoying the rain. When our roof is leaking, we don't enjoy the rain. But when God pours his blessing out, enjoy enjoy. God wants to do a work in us. God wants to restore that relationship. If it's broken down, if things have been allowed in your home that shouldn't be, allowed in your life, lay it on the altar. There's no other way out. There's no other deliverance to come until we say, okay, God, I don't want this anymore. And some of you are battling issues. I, I don't even want to put a label on it. God wants to lift that. 